Hello and welcome back to the latecomers coming to you from the house of illness. I'm Amity. I'm Lemuel. And we're going to do our best not to cough our way. And by we, I mean I'm going to do my best not to cough my way through this whole thing. Welcome. Hello. Hello. How's your week been? Um, it's been strenuous. How was your week? Mm, it's good. I was trying to avoid you, so I didn't make you sick. I know, and I missed you. I'm sorry, but I uh, woke up with a sore throat on Monday, and it's been downhill ever mm-hmm. since. <laughs> well, I woke up with a sore throat this morning, so... Oh, no. Hopefully. I have failed. <laughs> <laughs> I'm hoping that you don't have what I no, have. I'll and... do what my mom used to recommend, which is gargle with salt. Ooh. Very old school kind of remedy. It's yeah. It, that actually sounds like it would feel pretty good. Mm-hmm. Uh, I'm to the point where I think I'm fine, and then I take five steps, and I realize I am not fine. You should so. only take four. Yeah, turns out. Know your limitations. I I will do that. Maybe put me on wheels, and you can just push me. Yeah. <laughs> I don't yeah. take any steps at all. Uh, we have a four wheeler downstairs. I'll just sort of sit you on it, sort of cross legged, and we'll move you around. Ooh. Oh, you mean like one of those things that moves pallets and stuff? Mm-hmm. Oh, nice. That doesn't make me feel like furniture. Or we can just strap you to a two-wheeler and you can just sort of walk around and push you around. And I'll just tip over. Place. Tip over. <laughs> so, uh, this week, uh-huh. we did a little sidestep around the hairiness of 1978 Mm-hmm. Went right to 1988 this week. We'll be we'll be revisiting 1978 later in the month, uh, and we have watched Alien Nation. Alien Nation, which is not Get enemy it? mine. Alien Nation. Oh no, yes, not mean... Alien Nation. Nation, which actually I think is oh no, that's Assassination Nation. Right, a movie in theaters now. Lots of alliteration today. That wasn't alliteration. Oh, I guess internal alliteration, but usually it's the beginning. Assassination Nation Pardon is us an A and an N. Alien Nation, which is neither enemy mine nor rhythm nation. So, if you're but confused... it's almost bright. It is basically bright. Mm-hmm. Yes. Oh, my notes. I have to go get my notes. I would like to tell everyone in our audience and all the ships at sea that are listening to us, don't see the new Predator movie. Oh, God. That's all I have to say. No, it's not all I have to say. No, damn it, it's not all I have to say. I sat through this film with you, watching how often a person can be thrown 20 feet and not break a rib. Or back, right. leg, head. There are The main characters of this film are constantly being thrown 20 feet into tables, into trees, into... Without, well, several just, of them die, to be spring, fair. Yes, because they accidentally are thrown 20 feet into a tree stump or something. But people are constantly being buffeted about in this movie with no deleterious effects. I would like to say that Olivia Munn should be in everything. She's very, very good. She should be an action hero. She should, she, I've seen her do... I first saw her doing comedy in... Um, comedy and drama in... The newsroom? The Is newsroom. that the first thing That's that you saw her in? That's the first thing I saw her in. Hmm. And then I saw her completely wasted in this film of Urban Exorcisms. It was actually pretty good, the one with Eric Bana. Uh, Urban Exorcisms? I yes. don't think that's the name of that No, movie. it's not the name of the movie, but that's what it was <laughs> okay. about. 
<laughs> it's a movie I can't recommend to anybody because it's very harsh. Uh, Eric Bana and Joel McHale, I think, was not it? Is that the one? Deliverance from Evil, or it's, it's something scriptural. Uh, and she was completely wasted as just cop wife in that film. Cop wife, cop wife. Sorry. <laughs> no, no, that, that should be the theme of her, her movie where she just sort of sits around and mopes. Um, but she was really great in this movie. I like that we usually end with a recommendation, but you've decided I've to decided do this to open week. With an we're opening with a please don't do this. Don't see this movie. It was a bummer. And I look at this is and I understand that this is wrong and not how metrics works. So please don't at me. But mm. it had a thirty four percent rating on Rotten Tomatoes. And so I thought thirty four percent of it would be good. I guess it was. It was Olivia Munn, Jacob Tremblay, and uh Travante Rhodes. That was the thirty percent that was good. Even Keegan Michael Key was not good, and he's good in everything. Oh, this Travante Rhodes is sad. an incredibly watchable performer. He is. He's Every time magnetic. he's on screen, you're staring at him. Yep. Um, I don't understand why Olivia Munn at one point in this movie has to take her clothes off. I didn't get that. So the predator wouldn't kill her. I still don't understand that as much as I enjoy, it. and it's not exploitative. I have to it's say, it's not. You don't actually see she, it, which I think. I was thankful for. Yes, I was thankful. Out. We did get to see that she has lovely subclavial. Oh man, she had some bro- hollows yeah. in her neck. Right. I was just like, ooh, that it, looks weird. But um, aside <laughs> from that, I'm really happy that she gets to do a lot of the action stuff. But the lead performer in the movie, I guess it was um, Boyd Holbrook, is the actor's uh, name. White dude, just is random white dude, just just generic white man with the blonde hair. He could be. <laughs> Replaced with any number of other. Oh, his wife was actors. played by the woman that plays Serena Joy in The Handmaid's Tale, and I didn't recognize. Her. I mean, I was like, "Oh, I know who she is," but I couldn't place her until I got home. Yeah, well, Sterling K. Brown was also very good. Ster- well, yes, he his laugh was my favorite part of the whole movie. Mm-hmm. He had this real creepy, crazy laugh. It was good. Yeah, I couldn't make it. But a... as we were watching right. it, like thirty minutes in, I just leaned over to you and I went, "This is a bad movie." Right. There was there was <laughs> like, no. And I, not even like let's look it. for yeah. look for the fun. Shane Black makes fun movies. Well, this wasn't a fun Shane movie. Shane Black y'all. typically writes great buddy movies, and the scripts are great. It seemed like every single joke in this film, just almost every single joke, fell completely flat. Yeah, and like they were aimed at eleven point five, eleven point five, eleven and a half year old boys. Right. Like it was really aiming for the lowest. I, I didn't get it. I type didn't of humor, understand what he especially was, coming right. off of the nice guys, which was great. Mm-hmm. And you didn't even hate what's his face in it. Ryan Gosling, the man who looks like a ferret to me. Lemuel hates you if your name is Ryan. Yes, I do. I hate Ryan. I hope we have no listeners named Ryan because we've lost you, and I'm very sorry. But yeah, the the film itself, it's I don't understand. I can understand there's always money to be made off this franchise. I can understand why it was made in that respect. Well, when we watched the preview, remember what I uh-huh. said? There's so much Predator in these trailers. Uh-huh. I felt like the first, the makers of the first Predator movie would be super bummed right. watching the trailer where it's just all Predator all the time. Yeah. It makes it not scary or interesting no, when you can see the thing object. all of the time. Right. And yeah. so the idea is introducing a super predator, and there's a, a plot behind why predators are coming to Earth. And the pl- I didn't actually hate the story that was being told. Well, I hated the way it was it being was not told to at me. At the forefront of it, and yeah. people, I mean, 
just so that you understand, Olivia Munn is playing an evolutionary biologist who, and as much as I like the fact, as I was saying, that she's doing action hero moves, I don't understand how this evolutionary biologist yeah, no. breaks out with the karate kicks and the yeah. farm leaps and the machete work. And it's because she was in an X-Men movie a couple right. of years ago, that's and why. She has, she's an actual martial artist in real life. She's a uh, practitioner. That doesn't so, surprise me at all. But, but she did this really well, but I'm going... Why? We're, we're given no reason why she's able to keep yeah. up with the, this troop well, of... Well, we're um, given a terrible reason for why she's pulled into the movie in the first place. Right. She's written a research paper that rang a bell, and they tied it together with a letter she wrote when she was six. Right. That, that I believe, is a story that she tells in the movie, and also what we're supposed to legitimately believe is the reason that she's there. And I don't... I don't understand the world of this movie. <laughs> like, well, this movie also really trivializes mental illness and yeah, post-traumatic it stress. It and, really trivializes it. And while it's uh-huh. trivializing it and making fun of it, it's trying to tell you that it's not trivializing and making fun of right. it. There's literally a person who uses the R word, another person who says don't... A person who's a father of a a kid on the spectrum who says, hey, don't use that word. Another person who says, yeah, have some compassion. His son's the R word. Yeah, he just says it. And I'm like, what are we doing here? This right. isn't cute. This I, is, I this think is bullshit. I thought this was going to be sort of tough guy banter, and it isn't. It's like everyone in this, because uh, one of the... Uh, uh, the characters, the supporting cast, is mostly a group of people with PTSD, some variety of PTSD, there's a person with Tourette's, mm-hmm. uh, yeah. And our character, our hero, keeps referring to them as the loonies, even introduces them. They refer to themselves as that way. But he refers to them as the loonies when he's introducing them to his wife, who for some reason paints sexually explicit paintings, and we never are given a reason why. Well, she's an artist. Artist. I, didn't, I don't mind that. I mean, how many, I, how many artists do you know, how many of them paint? Sexually explicit paintings. This is like a Hollywood well, trope. She, it wasn't sexually. Where's they weren't hand, sexually right. explicit paintings. Mm-hmm. They were nudes. Right. The men coming into her but house made them quote unquote I, sexually explicit. I, I don't have a problem with an artist painting nudes. I know a lot of artists. You do too. I don't know any who go around painting huge nude canvases and sort of have them laying around. That's a Hollywood view of what an artist does. That's true. But that also, you and I have taken. Life drawing classes. Yeah, but this is a life drawing class. That's a basic thing. You'd think a person who's moved past that is no longer necessarily just painting naked people. I I think I, a it, lot. I think uh, there are a lot of artists that paint naked people. It seemed to me people. like the Hollywood version of an artist. That didn't that didn't bother me at all. Because mm. you know who she, who was dressed the whole time? Yeah. Her. Well, I'm glad I don't that she have a problem dressed. with that. <laughs> she didn't have to take off her clothes to avoid being killed by an alien. Nope. <laughs> but yeah, it's just there was so many elements that I just I have no idea why we were seeing so much. Outer space, um, this kind of Star it just Wars thing. Wasn't, and it wasn't, holographic it wasn't spaceships a good movie. And, uh, okay, so we've talked just, for 10 yeah. minutes on a movie we don't want people to see. That's probably enough. Do you want to talk about a movie about aliens that you that you didn't hate? Or did you hate it? I don't know if you hated know. it. I didn't hate it. It's just um, Alien Nation apparently spawned a television show. Yes. Graphic novels. Yes. Uh, pieces of fiction. Several... TV movies right. after the TV show was canceled. Right, and as I'm watching this movie, after I watched this film, rather, I looked at it and said, there's nothing about that that made me say, think, I want to go back to that world and visit these characters again. 
I I didn't mind it, and I actually I mean, thought I didn't hate it. It's just that okay, it's over now. Why would I? You know, I, I actually thought this right. is a world that could have been mined more. I didn't. Mm-hmm. I didn't. I didn't not understand the want for all of these things. What I don't understand is it only made thirty two million dollars worldwide, mm-hmm. and the next year it was on television, like. It doesn't seem like it was that big of a hit to spawn a television series so quickly. But then I looked at several other TV shows based on movies, and we've got some now. Lethal Weapon, which is 20, 30 years after the original, right? Um, Westworld, which is 40-plus years after the movie was made. Uh, Fargo, which is another 20 years Mm. or so, uh, started after. Um, but in 90 and 91, 89, 90, 91, Uncle Buck mm-hmm. got a TV show. Parenthood got a TV show. Uh, like a bunch of stuff that those in those years. Well, because back they were, then. They were mining. They were getting also the sort of buzz from the film being released. You know, yeah, it's like, I guess so, it, it but when the film is released, then it doesn't make a huge amount of money. Mm-hmm. I don't know it why then you go compared to and its budget, make... it didn't make a small amount of money. It sort of—I mean, I guess it was one of those things where it broke even, and that was good enough. I don't, I don't think that, and given the pedigree of this movie too, you know, that we're dealing with producers like Gail Ann Hurd and Rockne O'Bannon, and I was sort of expecting a little bit more from the story too and it's just sort of a a cop buddy movie yeah do you i mean let's get into the plot so uh, and do you want to sort of lead us on the plot and i i can sort of lead you on the parts where immediately (laughs) like i was calling bullshit at the screen regularly right well there's there's one gaping problem huge chasm of a problem right in the beginning of the film and you pointed out to me yeah um which is okay so well, let's let's. All right, why so don't the, you get started, and then okay, I will so call bullshit. The year bullshit is 1991, and there's a UFO that shows up uh, with thir- 300,000 enslaved aliens. Which is what Wikipedia is telling us. It said 250 in the mm-hmm. movie. So, right, so, but a they, lot. And they land in the Mojave Desert and the planet Earth, and they wind up being incorporated, or. Um, I guess the best way is sort of, sort of like they're treated as immigrants. They come into the country. Yeah, they go through almost like a refugee process. Mm-hmm. It sounds like there were camps, right. and then they were sort of naturalized as citizens. And here we are. Three years later. <laughs> Three years later. There we go. They are Has on them. the police force. They're on the police force. Three years later, they're on the police force. Specifically, the one that we are following, Mandy mm-hmm. Patinkin's character, whose name is Sam Francisco, because... White people are awesome. Uh, <laughs> to me, it was just white people. It was whoever was working the desk then is like giving random names. It was people. probably white people. <laughs> there's there's a very funny running joke in this movie that after people began running out of names, um, they just began giving. They gave them right. famous names or names of. There's things. a character who's introducing his. Uh, and this is my assistant, Rudyard Kipling. Well, you're, and, right. And so th- that's a running joke in this movie. Yes. Yeah, so his name is Sam, mm-hmm. with an M, Francisco. Right. So but the movie opens... Play, yeah, but play, played by Mandy mm-hmm. Patinkin, who on the, at the very beginning is a police officer, mm-hmm. becomes a detective the next day, apparently, 
and has been on the force for a year. So you're telling me mm -hmm. that you're taking people from an alien civilization mm -hmm. and incorporating them into the police force in a two-year period? No, humans, you're not. You're not that good. Well, you're, in fact, you're specifically right. not good at this. The first black police officer in Colorado Springs was 1976. Right. There's no way aliens make it on faster than the black people. only thing that we're told that's by way of explanation is that the beings, these, despite the fact that they were genetically engineered to be a slave race, that they're very highly intelligent. They're more intelligent yeah. than your average human being. They're also genetically engineered to be very adaptable, right. which is where the entire intelligence comes from. Because mm -hmm. they also all are fluent in English. Right. That's not their original no, no, it's language. Not, no. Anyways, so, so the three years, three years, and they're on the, in the police, so and I call bullshit. We're calling. We're, we're, we're focusing on Matthew Sykes, who's James Caan, uh, who from The Godfather, a face that you know is definitely, definitely gonna slur. <laughs> he just looks like a dude that slurs. Okay, that's another thing. Everyone, in, almost everyone in this movie is a racist, and they don't even bother to hide it. They is it? Racist? They will call speciesist. Yeah. They will call the alien slags to their face. That's oh, yeah. the racial, you know. Um, so anyhow. Yeah. Uh, he's a police detective and he loses his partner, Tuggle. Bill Tuggle. Right? Who is a black man who has had sex with aliens. That's what we know about him. And then he is shot dead. Probably why. Through a car. It was Through heinous. A car. Yeah. So there's a big action scene right up front. The detectives are trying to stop newcomer criminals from murdering other newcomers at a, a, a like a, a mini mart or something in the middle of the night. Now, here's the other problem that I have with this film. We have, as we see during these scenes where this montage, to use a French term and seem really pretentious, driving down city streets, we see alien hookers. Yeah. We see alien gangs. Yeah. We see alien robbers. Yep. This all happened in three years. And also aliens Alien running posters. the sh shop. Oh, yeah, the and they're also posters, on post billboards. billboards everywhere. Billboards yep. advertising stuff for aliens. So that was my first question. I was like, right. how many of them are there? But apparently they sort of settle in L.A. as their main hub. Now, there are a few problems with this. Mm -hmm. I'm going to say the biggest problem is that Los Angeles is on the coast and they don't do well with salt water, right. why wouldn't they just have set up in the Mojave Desert? Like, I don't understand. Anyways, right, exactly. Sorry, there's, go ahead. There's the issue with them. They <laughs> apparently disintegrate when touched with uh, salt water. It's like hydrochloric acid to them. So maybe why worse. they remained in Los Angeles, like you said, I don't know. They could just go to Owens Valley, where there's yeah. actually water. Clear to water. the east, to the east. Now, I'm, like, I don't know I'm not why. sure exactly what they drink, too, or what the quality is of the water that makes them disintegrate. But Oh, I uh, have a feeling it's the salinity, uh -huh. but I couldn't tell you. So there's a shootout, and Tuggle is shot, again, as you mentioned, through a car with these yes. specialized giant bullets. And so the next day, uh, Sykes' superior... Tells his uh, people that they were going to have a newly promoted newcomer, San Francisco. Yeah, now, we Sam, call them newcomers. They're called newcomers. That's Sam the term has for met them? Sykes. Yeah, he was a he was an on-site officer at the right. shootout the night before. Right, and Sykes, in a racist rage, having his partner killed, just slugs San Francisco in the face for no particular reason. At the at the on the 
site at, right. the, at the crime scene the night before. So he just smacks him right in the face. Um, now, there's something that was not really well addressed in this, which is there's a convenience store being robbed. Uh, that is owned by a newcomer. Matthew Sykes. Uh, and robbed mm-hmm. by newcomers. Right. Sykes is tracking down the criminals who have just murdered his partner. The man who beats Sykes up and nearly kills him, or the alien who does, is a major figure that that uh, Sykes sees later in the film. It's Roger Kipling. Right. But at no point does he recognize him. He really does. They all look alike to him. They all look so much alike. They, and they do mention the, that uh-huh. they feel bad that they all look alike, like one of the bosses at uh-huh. some point. And I'm like, well, to be fair, uh-huh. they're all the same tone, like skin mm-hmm. tone. Right. And my sense is that, and, and their faces are pretty... Well, like they, without a they lot lack of detail. External, and let's talk about the makeup for a minute because I didn't quite like it. Okay. I, it didn't impress me. They sort of had these sort of they're bald. They look sort of reptilian or amphibious. They have these sort of freckled scalps, and I think that's what you said. They maybe they, that's how they identify I each other. I think that the freckles and the coloring on the um, on the spots on their heads mm-hmm. are probably significant identifiers to them. But I think that we don't pick up on it. Right. And and they also, they don't have lips the way that we have. They have no external ears. They have no eyebrows. Yeah. They have, seem to lack hair altogether. Yeah. yeah. So I'm not sure if they're meant to be more reptilian or something, but they have these sort of, almost like an amphibian, a frog or a salamander, they have these sort of like mushed features that... Yeah, very smooth. Right. The, the, um, yeah, no, without a lot of um, definition in the facial features, which... So I can kind of understand that. Also, the guy was pretty far away from him. Mm-hmm. Um, and then he, we see him. It's one of the people that robbed the store. He's wearing a long black trench coat. And he drinks something that looks like gunpowder. But it turns out later it's like a jelly substance. So I right. that looks, was a little bit Well, It looks odd. like detergent and apparently tastes like detergent. Yeah. Until later. yeah, yeah. So the next day, right after his partner is killed, his partner who's such a good friend of his that he's going to his daughter's wedding. Yes. Um, They've known each other since his daughter, who's about to get married, was conceived. Right. And I'm telling you, Khan is sad for three and a half minutes. Right, exactly. <laughs> and the next day, he's back at work. Well, he... But the, but sort of worse than that, almost, right. is he goes in hot and wants to know where the... Because he's not working on the detectives killing, his partner's killing, because that would be inappropriate. There are two other detectives working on the murder of this cop. They're horribly racist. couldn't be more fucking blasé about a cop fact that they're they're hunting one of their, like, the murder of one of their own. They're like, it's only been however long, and we don't know anything about these things, and God, get off our back. And I'm like, everything. Every other piece of media I've ever seen, mm. if there was a cop killed, the cops gave a shit about it right. and put in their all. These two could not possibly care any less. And but I'm this, like, is it because he was black? Like, what the fuck is going on? In this movie... They has, also seem just inept. Right. This so, movie has a real issue with, I felt, time in it. We we need more. The than, whole movie takes place in right. less than a week. Yeah, a few nights. And so when I'm looking at this and going, all right, so it was three years for the aliens to become so integrated in society. They have a whole subculture to themselves and advertising for them and everything else. 
it takes less. I don't that think they were advertising be... for them. I, I don't. I don't think that that's what those billboards were. I think it was look but at these things that own, we're getting. They have their own like clubs and their own. They do strip have clubs dance, and stuff. Strip yeah. clubs, and they have their own. Yeah. So it's very yeah. It's all very odd, and I'm like, I don't think you can integrate that quickly. And anyhow, so as I said, nor should you get over grief that quickly when your yeah. lifelong pal, not lifelong pal, but. Your pal for the last I mean, twenty basically, years, or your partner years, for twenty plus years, yeah, just got shot and killed, and the next day you're at work. Um, so he wants to work with um, San Francisco. So yeah, sites. they they let him know that we've got this mm-hmm. guy that's going to move up to detective, and it's the first uh, alien newcomer that's going to move to detective. So he, and he's been a cop for a year, right. and he's moving to detective already. So a that's very fast. Now, granted, we we find out that these people are very very smart. Right. But two years after aliens have appeared, they put them on the police department. Uh huh. Re- no. 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 Humans are really bad. Well, not just that, but we are so suspicious of just immigrants. Yeah. No, I if know. If somebody comes from another planet, we are not going to give them any positions. No, of that's what I'm saying. Much less give them a gun. Humans are terrible, right, but at integrating anything, mm-hmm. let alone right. non-humans so into the situation. This now becomes a buddy cop movie, you know, uh, and there's with with James Caan making no bones about the fact that he right. he's he really actually wants to work with him because he might know the ins and outs. And he knows that the people that did this were newcomers, or the the right the perpetrators of the crime that he is committing. And he believes that there is a string of newcomer murders that are being committed by the same group. Now, this the murder mystery part of this story is not at all clever, you know. No, it's just I mean it would not pass muster on an hour long cop show. But uh, to go into it, what happens there? So they're now they're uh, you know doing the typical buddy thing. Well, that's Nikomer. the one more thing that I want to talk about real quick uh-huh. is the name. So his name is San Francisco, and immediately James Conn is like, "I'm not calling you that. That's dumb. I'll call you George." Well, he goes, "My name is," and then says his name in the alien language, uh-huh. and I didn't quite make it out, but it started with the words, like, with Stan. Like, mm-hmm. that was the beginning of right. the, the name in the alien language. He goes, I'm calling you George. I'm like, why don't you call him Stan? That's actually close to his actual last name. But I just love the, I'm, call, I'm calling you, your name is George now. Fuck you. Mm-hmm. And Mandy Patinkin goes along with it, because he doesn't give a fuck. Because well, that's Pat- not his name anyway. He's really trying very hard at one point, uh, giving... Um, and something I want to address later, give, bringing a, uh, like a uh, car uh, scent, uh, I'm not sure what you call them, puts a fresh scent in your automobile. Oh, air freshener. little air, air freshener. Because uh, they smell funny to human beings, the aliens. Um, but he is trying very hard. He's trying overly hard. So they go to a crime, crime lab where there's also forensic pathologists who are newcomers. Already, again, it was like, how fast did you go through medical school? Yep. Um, very fast, apparently. First you learn a language, then you go through medical school, and three years later, you're in the morgue. So we discover from looking at the body of one of them that they seem to have no external genitalia either. Well, my sense is uh, also that these were people who maybe were medics in the newcomer society. Mm-hmm. 
and they needed them in morgues because right. they're like, we don't but, know. <laughs> yeah, how these things reproduce, you don't know because you see several of them, they get, none of them have. They don't have, the males don't have external genitalia yeah. in the place that you would expect males to have external genitalia. But if you hit them under the arm, it's like kicking them in the nuts. <laughs> also, their external genitalia, when, they, when it does come out, is... Uh, Giants, apparently, because he asks them about what's a condom, like what is this? So it's like washed up somewhere or something. What was on the a murder victim that we haven't gotten to yet? Um, And he's like, he explains what it is, and and Mandy Patinkin's like, it fits. He's like, yeah, it stretches, and he goes, even still, it fits. (laughs) I'm just like. Oof a doof, which is why when the lady newcomer mm. hits on him, I'm like, you don't want any of that. Well, that <laughs> happens. They go to a nightclub where they see a striptease act where a female newcomer basically... She's like wrapped in like in all of these layers and like just sort of, of unfurls. But yes, we what we really want to see, we don't, other than that the freckles thing goes all the way down their spine. Yes. And uh, so, because um, Sam is so tongue-tied speaking to this woman... She's uh, very beautiful. Uh, Matthew Sykes speaks to her alone and kind of gets a hand job. Yeah, it's... It's a very strange scene. Not good. And I'm not sure what for that scene was supposed to tell us that... that but she, they make the connection with um, a criminal, a ring led by a newcomer businessman, William Harcourt. Who's played yes. by Terrence Stamp? Terrence Stamp. Who and then this is what puts to me a lie to the idea that you can't tell them apart because they look different to me. Terrence Stamp is very tall. Well, but also Terrence mm. Stamp has that voice. So, but I I had trouble keeping them when they were in big groups separate. Mm-hmm. Like I knew our main character and I knew the mm-hmm. Terrence Stamp character, but if you gave me another one, I probably couldn't pick. Uh, well, and the girl that we talked to, but. But do you just Maybe I'm the scene where you see Rudyard Kipling and Sam Francisco and um, William Harcourt all together? They're different heights, they're different sizes, they're yeah. different builds. So that was like, I don't see how you can not know this is the guy who jumped to you. But I don't know. So heights that's, that's and sizes. Thing. And also keep in mind that mm-hmm. I'm pretty sure he is sad about his partner dying. Right. And so he may not be working at 100%. Maybe. Also, um, yeah, my sense is that the detectives are not good, which is why they're moving newcomers in, because they're like, well, our guys suck balls, so mm-hmm. I guess we'll see what you guys can do. To to cut through a lot of the investigation, which is really transparent and not very well done, um, Harcourt is attempting to mass-produce a drug called uh, Jabluka. Now, in... Alien culture, newcomer culture, apparently this drug was produced, that was the way that uh, they were paid. Yeah, they, well, not paid, because well, they paid, they traded money for it, mm-hmm. but it's the only pleasure they were allowed to have. So it's a very strong narcotic. It's also a mutagen, in that yes. it changes them on a certain level, depending on the amount that they take. Only if they OD, right. I think. that. Um, that's has, totally, that could be more, but that is, far, as far as the yeah. movie tells us, if you OD on this, you become a bigger, stronger murderer, murderer, So murderer. Sykes knows that um, Sam is hiding stuff from him. He's having private conversations in alien language with yeah. 
the coroner's assistant. He's having private conversations with other people, and he begins to guess that something else is going on. Well, Sykes comes in and thinks that there are a string of newcomer murders that mm. are related, but the police are not letting him track that down. So he's sort of doing it on the DL, like he's he's investigating crimes that he's not tip- technically been assigned. Right. Uh, but yeah, it turns out that the well, should we just jump to it? There right. are these there were these four or there are these three murders that happen and one of them is like was like a chemical engineer mm-hmm. and I don't remember the one is like a, a means of distribution through nightclubs, I think it was. And, and oh yeah, the head of the nightclub, that's right. And then there was another one that was it that, was like the person that came uh-huh. up with the formula, the person who could ma- manufacture it, and the person that could distribute it, and then they were all being run by Harcourt, who then got greedy and decided to kill all of them so that right. he could keep all the money for himself. Well, Sam doesn't seem Criminal to... Criminal mastermind. He, well, <laughs> such as it is. But he, um, it's like the, what's, how can I put it? Um... They figure it out through a set of really obvious clues. Yes. Sam does not want anyone to know that this drug exists. No. Well, he, he, for two reasons. One, it'll destroy his people. He Uh watched people be destroyed and killed by this drug. Uh And two, it's what it ends up doing to you Mm -hmm. makes newcomers a danger. And they have to try very hard to prove that they're not a danger so as not to be exterminated by the humans. Okay, which is... so Which is a fucking mm, fair thing to be concerned right, about because okay. it's what we do. So there's a... Um, it doesn't... Yeah, there's not very much time spent on the actual detective work. At one point, Sam and uh, Matthew raid a drug lab yeah. that was uh, used to create the formula and Sam goes nuts and destroys it He smashes. He then gets very obsessed with the notion of stopping the drug at the source. Yes. And breaking all sorts of rules. Up until this point, he's been a very kind of milquetoast alien. Right. Who wants to go home to his family. He's constantly worried that his wife is going to divorce him for staying out too late or something. There's a buddy bonding scene where James Conn drinks, I think, gin, and he drinks, uh, Sam drinks sour milk. Sour milk, that's the thing. That's when, you, okay, about a half an hour into their partnership, Sam starts, or not Sam, um, Sykes starts warming to his alien right. buddy and he has left milk out on his refrigerator because what they drink to get intoxicated is sour milk like yeah. that's what intoxicates them like alcohol does to us um which i actually think was an interesting thing but he would have had to put that up on top of his fridge to get to that stage of yeah. spoiledness like five days before, and we haven't been watching this movie for five yeah. days. And as far as we know, he doesn't have other right. friends that are newcomers. What is happening here? There's just there's scenes where they do this. And it's the same kind of scene you see in every cop buddy movie. Yeah. Without exception. Oh, they stop to get something to eat, and one's eating a beaver. Yes, Sam is raw beaver. Raw beaver covered with fur. And the other one's eating a hot dog, and it's just the same typical argument that you would have. I mean, was there was not, yeah, there wasn't anything original, original in this. And I'm trying to set it in its space of 1988. Mm-hmm. Still, nothing original. In right, it. there was nothing, which original. I think might have been its intention. 
Like, we're going to make yeah, a be. buddy cop comedy. Just one of the cops is an alien. Right. Cut 20 years later, one of the cops is an orc. And by 20, I'm mispronouncing 30. Right. I'm an old. And the, <laughs> the problem is the orcs in Bright look like the aliens and alien nations. They me. kind like of they, do they, a they little do. bit. Like, yeah. They didn't even go that far from it. So then um, they bust chase. in. <laughs> well, they, they bust in on Hargrove's trying to find a new means of distribution through human channels mm-hmm. where you see the human try it and he's like, it tastes like detergent. And he's like, mm-hmm. yep. And it basically has the same effect as eating detergent would have on your people. Mm-hmm. So your people aren't going to do it. Although this is before the Tide Pods incidents. So we're real Never good at doing shit anyway. we're not supposed to do and putting it in our mouths. But, um, you know, they break in and he's like, well... This is not a controlled substance. Mm-hmm. As far as you're concerned, this is great jelly that I'm selling. So right. there's no law that's being broken, which is true, true. because if yeah. we don't know about a substance, we can't put it on a schedule. Um, but Sam tries to just destroy, destroy it all. Yeah. And then there's a chase. And then we end up with Sykes and Hargrove on a pier. Which is strange, being that that would be where you'd run if you really believe this, or if you really feel that the sea is hydrochloric acid and can disintegrate. Yeah, you don't want to go that out be there. Why would that be I mean, there's a scene earlier where um, Sam won't like he needs to be let out of the car before they even get to the beach. Which, and I'm like, well, yeah. I mean, if the ocean is hydrochloric acid, I would think sea spray would be fucking painful. And sea spray goes away, so I don't blame him for not wanting to go out there. Um, Terrence Stamp has no such problem. So, but then he like downs all of the drug that he has, like a like a big vial of it. He pours it on his face and in his mouth, and he quote dies. He doesn't die. So uh, Sykes, of course, doesn't know that an OD on this stuff doesn't cause death per se. Um, so he doesn't shoot him or anything. They put him in an ambulance and then uh, you find out that it's actually like, what did you say? What was the word you used? A mutagen. A mutagen. Mm-hmm. Yeah, so fancy. Yeah. Um, so then he gets super strong and um, wakes up and his head is all lumpy now and also he's not wearing a shirt. No, he looks like a reptile. And also, and then he claws out the chests of those around him. He's an eviscerating machine. And it's gross. And because he says, um, oh, you shot... Sam says something about how Sykes had shot him. And Sykes is like, I didn't have to shoot him because he OD'd. And then Sam's like, oh, no. We gotta go find him. No ODing for the... That's and so it turns into um, a chase that winds up in a boat once again. A strange choice for a person. Yeah, yeah. Um, and I'm like, does does he not have thought anymore? Like, I don't know how this affects his higher functioning, like brain functioning, because he just kind of ah, yeah, he becomes a kill, kill, kill. Mm-hmm. And I'm like, can he think, or is he just hulked out now? Is that what's happened? Um, and then they fight in the water, and he disintegrates. Puts a hell of a fight while disintegrating, but... 
And um, then Sam has to be lowered in a helicopter and trying to reach his drowning partner, plunges his hand. Oh, yes, into, into, the, into the Pacific Ocean. Right. And ends up, he grabs him and he pulls him up because he's the best. Around. He's like, oh. <laughs> I hated this movie. I didn't hate this movie, but I was just like. You hated Predator. I mean, we, we did not have a good time with Aliens. No, bad Alien no. movie. So what did you think of it? Um, I thought Mandy Patinkin was doing a weird uh, Robert or Robin Williams impersonation. Uh, and also that he was a weird choice for this. I thought it should be Tim Curry as soon as I saw him. Uh-huh. I was like, why is this not being played by Tim Curry? <laughs> like immediately. Oh, and then they go to the Sykes' wedding, daughter's wedding together. Right, yeah, that's how which is what he was supposed to be doing with his uh, dead black partner. Is being in the film, yeah. Uh, it was. It felt pretty hollow to me, and maybe because I've seen you know forty versions of it, but I just said my big, big, big problem was the timing of it. I'm just like, there's no way that in two or three years people get to this level with alien. Like, I've seen. Oh, what's the South African movie? Um, not Chappie. It was the one before that. Um. Yeah, not chappy. Ooh, I can't. No more than District. District nine. Yep. Okay. District nine, where several years after, now granted they were not English speaking aliens, but they were living in ghettos and shit. And I'm like, this feels right. (laughs) This feels like what people do. (laughs) But yeah, having them move into L.A. doesn't seem having them effectively take over whole ethnic neighborhoods too. I don't know what the film was aiming at, and I don't. I'm not sure what parallels it was trying to draw. The film was supposed to be about immigration and ethnicity and being other, but then the things it did were kind of insulting. You know, yeah. If you try to make the parallel, as some people were trying to make, that this was about uh, a parallel with African Americans in this country, yeah, it becomes really insulting because then you see the aliens do things like drink sour milk; they smell bad. Right. Right. Know, right. They're, they're physically right. not human. Right, exactly. So let's not make metaphors where we turn people into not people. Right. That's real That's bad. Kind of the You're I'm going the wrong way. It's almost as if we're putting together all the worst kind of stereotypes about other races of people and then presenting them that way, going, oh, they eat weird food, they smell funny, they drink horrible things. It's like, yeah, it's... If you're trying to make it a parallel or a metaphor, it's actually more insulting than if you just came out and, and well, yeah, well, I don't know. The, the film sort of irritated me on that level. Well, I was going to try and, or I'm trying to open up Duffling, the TV series who starred in it, because I don't think I ever saw it. Gary Graham and Eric Pierpoint. No, I never saw it. I know those actors, and I knew the show had a following when it was on, obviously. I wonder if the following is comparable to what it had for... No, I mean, it was only on for a season, so right. it, although it was on Fox, so it might have had a very diehard following, and they were just like, nope, canceled. Right. I'm having Firefly flashbacks. But yeah, like I said, um, I was looking at this list of movies, because I thought, I couldn't think of anything that was turned into a TV show so quickly, but... That is my mm-hmm, mistake, because right. it turns out there it are quite a few. It used to be few. a fairly common practice. And I'm just thinking of stuff that's come out recently that is from 30 right. years ago or whatever. So I'm just like, how did this get turned around so fast? But like, in that 90, 91 uh, time frame, Uncle Buck, 
there was a Parenthood show before the more recent Parenthood show mm. based on the movie Parenthood. That same amount of time, or that same time was uh, Ferris Bueller got made into a TV show. Uh, right around then, also, oh no, I guess it would have been a little bit later. Clueless got turned into a TV show the next year. Yeah. Like, so it was a pretty, pretty quick turnaround for that one. And then there are some things that, like, lived longer and stronger in TV shows than in the movies, like Buffy. Yeah. Buffy's a big one where I think a lot of people who love Buffy the Vampire Slayer as a TV show have never seen the movie. Yeah. And it is very different in tone and. I. I liked the movie Buffy. I did. And when the TV show was being brought, I was really into the idea of seeing that again. And it went in such a different direction. Right. It completely did. And I think that had to do more with having the input of the writer than the producer. Maybe. Who was choosing the direction of the way the show would have to be. Yeah. Um, but yeah, that used to, it used to be a much quicker turnaround. They were taking advantage of the, the buzz that was around the, the uh, film originally. It just didn't feel like there was that much buzz around this film. For well, I don't feel like there was much. I don't know why. It. As I said in the beginning um, of the top of the show, I don't know what compelled people to find this world so interesting. So I'm guessing that the... Well, this is, I think, maybe the first time that this, has been had been done and it's been done you know quite a few times yeah i imagine since then it's been done a lot but i just didn't feel like there was anything in it that made me think i want to go visit those people again i just didn't get a sense of that at all gotcha probably the most interesting and well-realized character was sam Mm -hmm. george whatever i guess you want to call him because he'll answer to anything james conn's character was not James Conn has played that character before. Yeah. And he's just sort of like this kind of bigoted cop. And yes. He's the biggest. Everything that so happens, that's not a thing that I want to watch. Everything that happens in this film. All right. We're turning into Siskel and Ebert now. Yeah. Everything that happens in this film is something I've seen before somewhere else. You know, it's, it's a paint by the numbers action movie. Well, let's do this. Let's go through Uproxx's Buddy Cop cliche drinking game. Okay. Here's the six things a buddy cop movie has to have. Odd couple crime fighters. There we go. Jack. Retirement almost in reach. I mean, not really in this case. That's not a big one for this film. Um, no. Although, James Conn's not a young man in this. No, no. The chief getting pissed. That didn't really happen in no, this. No, the chief does get pissed. Does he? Okay. He does. He gets pissed because he sees that um, he's suspicious about why Matthew is trying to team up with Sam. Yeah, that was... Okay, yeah. And so he comes in and he's mm-hmm. like, this is our new detective. Uh-huh. Someone needs to volunteer to work with him, or I'm choosing a, quote, volunteer. Yeah. Of course it's going to be Sykes. He's the one who lost the partner. When? Right. Yesterday. Yesterday. So he needs a partner anyway. Like, yeah, no, here's another uh, thing. Did anyone ever go to the funeral? Did this guy nope. have a funeral partner? It's just that this is completely glossed over. Well, he's dead. We can forget about him. Leave him there. But, okay, so what's the other ones? Um... Their car will eventually become a bullet-riddled bucket of bolts. That happened before they were even right. buddies. These big bullets, which I don't think they really get into. No, the, because James kind of eventually gets a, a, a gun also that shoots enormous that shoots bullets. So big it's bullets. Just like so now we're even. Of, yeah, I, I don't know. And then, just how deep does this conspiracy go? Yes, I mean, they absolutely. definitely did that situation. Yeah, that was that's that's the set they have. So... Well, there was a 
Siskel and Ebert did a, a joke about how every action, or no, every car chase in the 80s, somebody hits a vegetable stand. Um, oh, that's funny. And that was just something that you used to see because you yeah. wanted to see fruit flying all over the place. It's important for and me I, to see a flying lettuce. I believe it was one of the Police Academy movies that then in their next film had Gene and Roger's fruit stand, a big sign in front of the fruit stand. That's adorable <laughs> and good job to right. them. I've never seen any of the Police Academy I, I don't movies. Think they're worth seeing, really. Because I'm pretty sure I wouldn't. The yeah. humor is not for me. The humor was really geared towards, like you said, 11 year old boys. Oh. One of well, when we talked about the Predator movie, I, you also did, well did mention that there was a whole row of such boys sitting in the back of the theater watching this film with us when we were watching Predators. So you yes, mean the Predator, the Predator. Oh, I don't know, Predators, Predator, the it's Predator. It's called the Predator. I think the no, only... don't get it confused because some Predator movies are good. We don't want you to watch this one. Okay. <laughs> I've only seen two, I think. I've seen the very first one. I saw the Adrian Brody one, and I've seen both Alien Re Predator films. I haven't seen either of those. I just I feel kind of bad for whoever wrote Alien. Wasn't it Ridley Scott? No, no, no. Did he see, not write it? No, it. <laughs> but whoever wrote it to suddenly find out that your character has been appropriated for this other kind of uh, genre film. I liked Alien vs. Predator. I remember I was going to see Alien vs. Predator and somebody was like, who's in it? And I was like, did you not hear what I said? (laughs) Anybody who's in this movie is grist. It's like, (laughs) who's going to be in King Kong vs. Godzilla? It doesn't matter. It doesn't matter. King Kong and Godzilla. What are you... Oh, I forgot that it was Sonal Lathan. I knew it was a woman of color that made Mm. it through Alien vs. Predator. Spoiler alert. It's Sonal Lathan. Okay. Well, I don't have to see the movie anymore now. Yeah. Nope. But um, but anyhow, uh, yeah, I just, I, I don't say it's a bad movie. I think it's an agreeable kind of, I hate using the term time waster because a lot of movies that I really like yeah, are Yeah, but it's like a Sunday afternoon. Yes. If it's on in the background, it it's won't not, hurt you. It's not going to hurt you and it's not going to really contribute You will be like, who are these humans that let aliens be things in right. th- within three years? We don't let human beings and, be and maybe things the within television three show. years. You know, there was a film released uh, in 2009 called Surrogates. Yes. Uh, with Bruce Willis and Rosamund Pike. The world of that movie is very interesting to me. That movie itself right. is not very interesting Yes, and that to was... It's I the was, same way I feel about The Purge. I was watching it with... Well, The Purge is actually exploring this world. I know. I'm excited um, about it. Now. But there's never been anything past Surrogates. And I right. thought that that premise was super interesting. And I think it comes from another source, like a graphic novel. I or know. I think maybe you're right. But what I remember going with a friend of mine to see this film, and we're watching it, and again, just like halfway through, it turns into a, a thriller movie, and I'm going, I don't really care about the thriller part of the movie. I really want to know about this world where people yeah. essentially choose android replicas yeah. that you get to plug into. And it switches across gender lines, it switches across age lines, so you never really know who you're dealing with. It's like second life in real life. Yeah, so it's a very interesting premise, because so much can be done with that. And also, probably a thing that's going to be real. I am absolutely sure that it's going to happen (laughs) at some point in our future. Yeah. I'd have to watch the TV show to understand that. If it became more compelling, like, oh, this is how they were integrated into society, but I think... It felt as if this story was so... Yeah, if they just did a procedural... It was rushed to get to the point. 
it was rushed in how we're going to incorporate it was it was only a society. 90 minute yeah. movie and probably could have done with 2 hours and some more fleshing out of it also felt like motivations a lot of James Conn did a lot of his improvisational thing where he was just sort of making things up as he goes along you know telling dad jokes and you know yeah it, it, doing James Conn so i didn't i'm like where was the script in this movie uh, how did exactly it wasn't moving forward. The, the the story, the crime story was really pedestrian. I just, I could not find a way inside where I could really admire what was going on in this movie. It is listed in the TV Guide's 2013 list of 60 shows that were canceled too soon, mm-hmm. which I bet was just a list of 60 shows that Fox canceled. <laughs> I'm coming for you, Fox. And the cast, you know, photo is all aliens except the dude that plays Sykes. The one who looks like Mick Jagger? He does. Yeah. That's, that actor made a lot of rounds in television and, and low-budget movies at the time. And yes, that was what everyone said. The guy who looks like Mick Jagger. That was it. He doesn't anymore. Okay. Good for him, because it's not a good look. <laughs> uh, well, Mick Jagger made it work. You've seen the women that he's had babies with? Yes. I think that had more to do with the fact that he's he... He's Mick Jagger. I right, know. ...than what he looks like. I know. So, yeah, because it was 22 episodes mm-hmm. and then five movies. Well, see. One in 94, one uh, in 95, two in 96, and one in 97. One, when The X Files was on, when it first started, I had a, I saw ads for it. I recorded every single episode of the first season. Because you were just waiting. I was for expecting it. Yeah. it to be canceled. And well, so, and they put it on, what, Friday at 8? Right. Yeah. So I was just going, this is it. It looks really fun. It looks interesting. I don't know if I like this Mulder guy, but I like her. I'll, I'll keep up with it. And then it turned out to become a phenomena. Yeah. Um, but yeah, that whole first season I have on VHS somewhere because I really thought, okay, they're going to blow they're it gonna, with this They're going to do, yeah. That's what, then, I think that's I, what Fox then says. Then I thought, after that, oh, they'll never do that again. And then Firefly happened, where it was one of the best written shows on television that just got canceled. They're like, bye bye I remember Firefly was a... Not even canceled. They... They like didn't air it in proper well, order. They, they order. kept preempting it, and then they canceled. I kept trying it. to follow the show when uh-huh. it was on, and I remember one day I it was the middle of the afternoon. I got off of work because I wasn't feeling well, and there was a baseball game that ran short or didn't run. I mean, not didn't run short. Ran long. Just didn't run. Um, so they were trying to fill time, and there's 20 minutes of an episode of Firefly. I'm Just like, 20 minutes. Right. Of a new episode. Of a new episode. That nobody of, had seen before. Nobody had seen before. Yeah, you guys are great. And I'm watching it going, what the hell? I, I want to see the beginning of this episode now. Because I had been following the show at that point, but I realized it was gone. You were not you were not going to get a fair shake with it. And the fact that um, in the spirit of Charlie Brown having the football pulled away. Yeah. Joss Whedon did another show within the Dollhouse, which again got treated yeah, but badly. I think it was treated badly. But I think they got at least two seasons. And they got something going out of it, but you know that show was not as good as Firefly. Either, well, there was a slow burn uh, with it. The beginning episodes, there's a sort of it sets up a world. The first few episodes, and then completely turns it on its head. And that was the point where I'd already left because. Uh, you know, the, yeah, two two seasons. Yeah. Well, my yeah, I had some problems with that show. Um, that we don't have to get too into, but I was like, um, I get it. Elijah Dishka's beautiful. Could we put some clothes on her? 
could we have a closed main character? No? Dark Angel. Okay, cool. That was one that I could never quite figure out, and I couldn't, like, watch. Oh, I watched the fuck out of Dark Angel. I don't remember it very well. Right. That was Jessica Alba, though. Jessica Alba doing really bad martial arts. Well, before. I didn't know that at right. the time. Half the people involved. Ooh, how many know. people got barcode tattoos on their right. neck because of that show? Really? Was that the thing? Oh, yeah. yeah for sure. It, I felt like I only had room for one, um, you know bad kung fu TV show and that wound up being Alias and then it turned out the kung fu was actually pretty, pretty good. <laughs> it's like, oh, well, she is Alias. We should finish watching Alias that. Alias is a really fun show and it's made me like Jennifer Garner. I've heard that her most recent action movie is not so great. Yeah, we ended up skipping out and it's out of the theater already right. that we, so, we go see. Well, it got a really scathing review in the New York Times. Oof. I'm not New York Times, is it New Yorker? The New Yorker? Yeah. But well, I'm not sure uh, I trust New Yorker because they yeah. also did a somewhat porny review of yeah. The Incredibles. Yep. Yeah, okay. Yep. Think about cartoon characters this way much? Unnecessary. Yeah, that uh, was a Ralph Bashki film. So, so, Alien Nation, it's a movie. There we go. That's as much <laughs> as we can say about it. Uh, yeah, there. no, I feel like if it's on Fox on four, at 4 o'clock on a Sunday, go ahead and put it on. If you're a person of color, maybe don't, because it's pretty... Well, again, Tracy, it, it, it feels a lot like, you know, Bright was essentially a remake of this film. Yes. And... With, the same, with fantasy instead of science and fiction. A, and, and, you know, uh, maybe a bigger budget and more special effects to it. And there were bits and pieces of Bright also that I liked. I liked the fact that there's scenes of uh, Los Angeles at night and there's dragons flying in the background yeah. and silly things like that. Um, but you yeah, had the same problems in that you're making a racial equivalency which does not work. Yeah, because you're making people who aren't people. Right. You're, you're, you're equating them. them with people. Well, that's the whole problem is that you don't see them as people. Right. These are actually not people. So, what's your argument exactly? Yeah, that feels bad. It, it just there was there's issues with that movie. Um. Well, they're making a sequel, so. Uh, well, da, da, what, da. what surprises me is that the writer of this film believes that it was going to be his version of Lord of the Rings. He believed it would be that level of success. And I think, I like, you have to think this through. And there were fun parts to it. There were funny parts. And you know why there were funny parts? Because Will Smith is a movie star. And Will Smith can yeah. carry off really improbable situations. He can make things funny that aren't funny. There's a shootout in the strip club that was hysterical in that movie. Yeah. But once again, I mean, it did a little better job, I think, than Alien Nation. Um, I think so. But at the same time, yes, it falls short. But yeah, and also Joel Edgerton is very good. Yes. So and Mandy Patinkin was very good in this one too. Yeah, he's probably the best because because the thing is that Terrence Stamp's villain and Rudyard Kipling, the henchman, they pretty much would be the same if they were in a Bond film. Yeah, playing different characters. There was nothing really distinguishing. I about saw them. a meme. Let me get uh, your input on this. Right. Is Terrence Stamp the poor man's Malcolm McDowell? Um, no. For a second, I was like, is it maybe the other way around? Mm. No, I it's feel definitely like it, not the other way around. I feel like it could but be But they way kind way of look right. very similar now, especially. Like, as they've uh, aged into the same person. Well, they were part of a generation of actors who broke this sort of cultural line. I mean, they did culturally significant films, but Malcolm McDowell, to me, has always been kind of problematic because he basically will, will ruin a movie being, being Malcolm McDowell. He's oh, by a, just doing... Right. There's yeah. a, a really good film 
in the 70s whose name just escaped Now, me. is he hired to do that, or does I don't he know. just do it? I think it's like a it. Christopher Walken thing. Well, because I think mm-hmm. sometimes Christopher Walken is hired to do Christopher Walken. Right. We, and and Al Pacino, too. Malcolm McDowell is hired to be outrageously Malcolm McDowell, or either that or, you know... Or is that all he can do now? That's know. the question. I don't know if that's, that's, that's the, the thing. I do really like Terrence Stamp more, though. I think there's a lot more that he can do. And he does he does comedy in a really strange kind of way, uh-huh. mostly by being really straight and humorless, and he gets across yeah, really funny. Yeah, he can do a derisive mm. look like few others. Right, and he's really great at it. The Limey is one of my favorite, you know, kind of modern noir films. As a guy who just moves straight forward and doesn't see anything to either side, doesn't realize gradations of things, He's going to find out who killed his daughter. And if you haven't seen that movie, you really should. Um, he's great in it. And so that's why I'm going, there's great. There's more great latter-day Terrence Stamp performances gotcha, than Malcolm McDowell. Than Malcolm he, McDowell. Okay, gotcha. To me. I still, I mean, I watched um, Clockwork Orange when I was too mm-hmm. young. Yeah. I.e. ever. And uh, now that's all I can see when I see Malcolm McDowell. Right. But he was hired to do a lot of sort of outrageous, what is it, Hotel Britannica or Hospital? I can't remember. The, a lot of very outrageous kind of 60s, 70s counterculture films, he shows up for no particular reason. Interesting. Okay. And he was like the well, voice because of young, outraged person pushed yeah. to extremes. And, and so it's, to me, it's almost as if that was his best work. And I haven't seen the great later Malcolm McDowell performance. I could be wrong. Maybe I'm not remembering something. But, mm. um, Yeah. Could be wrong. So, that comes, I think, to the end of our Alien Nation discussion. Right. Uh, next week, we will be discussing... Discussing. Discussing. I am sick, peoples. Give me a break. No, I'm kidding. Hopefully, I will not be sick by the time this drops. No, but, I hope uh, not. No, I'll be sick. We'll be training things. <laughs> I'll be discussing. This, this, should, this should drop two weeks from now. Okay. I've given you a peek behind the curtain. Ooh. Um... So hopefully you will not be sick. Neither of us will be sick. But uh, another people behind the curtain. I'm barefoot. We will be watching Rushmore next, and I'm excited. I don't know how to feel about this. What do you mean you don't know how to I feel know. about Who's it? Who's director again? Yes. Oh, you made a face. <laughs> I didn't know. I, it's a Wes Anderson film. Well, uh, you know what I'm supposed to love? Mm. Wes Anderson films. You know what I've yet to do? Love a Wes Anderson film. Okay, so let's now, see if this. I can you tell like you, some of them. You love Moonlight Kingdom, so shut I up. I love Moonlight Kingdom. <laughs> I like the fantastic Mr. Fox. And I really loved Isle of Dogs. Isle of Dogs is a great film. I don't know about the rest of them. I, I kind of like the Grand Budapest Hotel. See, so he's full of shit. He's going to like this shit. movie. <laughs> so anyways. I'm full of sagacity. We're watching... We're going to watch Rushmore. I've never seen it. I've I've never never seen seen any of this movie. Mm -mm. I have a personal issue with Bill Murray that puts me at odds with 90% of humanity, maybe more. What is your personal issue with Bill Murray? My introduction to Bill Mm -hmm. Murray was Ghostbusters and movies around that time, wherein he was very gross, and so I think of him him like a very gross uncle, and he creeps me out a little bit. The term that you're looking for is skeezy. Skeezy. Yes. Yes. So, Ghostbusters, he's pretty skeezy. Um, What about Bob? He's not skeezy, but he is a little creepy. And 
trying to think of the other. Yeah, it's a weird persona to carry off. And I think of it. I think of even something in um, like Caddyshack. Which I've never seen. Yeah, Caddyshack. When he plays the sort of like soft in the head groundskeeper, yeah. and I'm going, is that somebody that you'd ever want? Like to yeah, he's just the 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 things that I experienced mm. with him when I was young. Uh-huh. Experienced him in when I was young left me with an uncomfortable feeling about him. So I am not a person who loves him. Now, do I hate him? No. Mm-hmm. Is Lost in Translation fantastic? Absolutely. So Zombieland. His part in Zombieland was is very, so good. very funny. I'm like, I okay, think they're doing an, a sequel to Zombieland. Yeah. On the on the other side of that, mm-hmm. I love Jason Schwartzman all day, every day, and I will be playing a Phantom Planet song mm-hmm. at the end of next week's episode. Okay. I we that's what we're watching. I don't. I thought it was Election. It's not Election. It's Rushmore. Mm-hmm. Like I got those two. I've never seen either of them, and I got them mushed into my brain. Well, see, so. I also feel like. Me, it's not have we understood it. Let me just a pressure on that. me to try to understand. This is like a movie that is really dear to another generation. Oh, uh, that's true. Mine. So, so it's the same way that I'll get, try to get you to watch something, and you're going to go, "That's too old for me," or something. It's which uh, is yeah. Yeah, I have to be in a mood. You have to be in a mood for it. <laughs> like, am I going to be prepared for watching a movie that's really like the touchstone for another generation? I don't know. You know, uh, am I well, not going to we'll get see. it? Well, we'll see. So, 1998, could, I could like That's it. what we're going to watch next. I like Scott Pilgrim. Well, there you go. And that, that is even sort of more of a a young person. But I think it had more to do that. with Mary Elizabeth Winstead. Well, we love her. And and really cod martial arts. <laughs> that was, I think, what I was in for. Yeah. Really goofy martial arts scenes. There's some really good cameos in that movie. Yeah. Um, so, mm-hmm. we're not going to recommend The Predator. Okay. What are we going to recommend? Well, why don't you go first? What would you recommend? Um, see, I don't really know because I've been sick. Here's what I'm going to recommend. It's not new. Go back and watch something that you love. Mm-hmm. Especially if it's something that you've forgotten how much you loved. I am rewatching The West Wing, and it is great. What is The West Wing? Tell me more. I have no idea. Do you know what The West Wing actually is? Well, you know what it refers to? It's about a bird, I'm thinking. Incorrect. Okay. The, the West Wing is a wing in the White House where okay. all the people work. Okay. Well, what's in the East Wing? I think it's where the residence is. Okay. Don't actually know. But the West Wing is where everybody works. So the West Wing is a American one-hour drama comedy show. Uh, mostly drama, though. Written by Aaron Sorkin of the newsroom, which I know you really like. Loved, yeah. uh, that started in 1999, starring Martin Sheen and Rob Lowe and... Everyone else. <laughs> Martin Sheen, the, the first Allison Hispanic Chani, president. Yes, the first Hispanic president who does not sound Hispanic in any way. Rob Lowe, Moira Kelly, Dulé Hill, Allison Chaney, Richard Schiff, John Spencer, Bradley Whitford, that's the name I was forgetting, Martin Sheen, Janelle Maloney, Stalker Channing, Joshua Molina, Mary McCormack, McCormack Jimmy Schmidt, Smiths, he's not in it yet. Alan Alda, also not in it yet. And Kristen Chenoweth, also not in it yet. So I does, am watching season does one. Does the <laughs> exquisite and fine-boned Moira Kelly ever stand next to Alice and Janie? Oh, yeah. I, they I have like many to, scenes. I would like to see them together. Together? 
just passing the Bechdel test like a motherfucker. But what I mean is that Maura Kelly, as I... I know, she is small, is one and of, Alice and Janney is... Is very tall. Tall, yes. And so I would like to see a scene where they just kind of look at each other in the eyes. You know, one is obviously standing on top of a desk or something. Yeah, so it's... The president is Martin uh-huh. Sheen, Jed Bartlett, and it's his chief of staff and the deputy chief of staff, the communications director and the deputy communications director, and the press secretary, and then various aides and mm. assistants. Uh, and it's a liberal wet dream. Mm-hmm. It is very nice to watch smart people talking about policy in a smart way, primarily in ways that I agree with. It must be unique. It's um, it's a balm to my news-watching soul. I cry every episode, at least once. Yeah, that's right. Mm. Uh, What I intended to do was restart or start a, a rewatch of Friday Night Lights. I went to Netflix to find it. It's not on Netflix, but mm. Netflix helpfully says if you're looking for that, you might like this. And I have not watched The West Wing in its entirety. I don't think ever. I think I saw it in reruns so when I was in college. They switched to different presidents as the show goes along. Um, I don't remember. I don't guessing... think so. It's seven seasons. Okay. I think it ends when Jeb. Lose, Jed loses, and he loses or he leaves the office. I mean, he's had. Well, I think he loses. Okay. Because he can't run the second time, or a third time rather. Right. I mean, so it's not like he lost; he just can't. Right. Do it again. And oh, it's got Elizabeth Moss as the president's youngest daughter, Zoe, also, Uh, looking very young and not anywhere like a handmaid. So, um, it's it's bringing me comfort, and it's a thing that I can have because I've seen them. Mm-hmm. I watch, like I said, I think I watched them while they were in syndication when I was in college, um, because when it started, when I was eighteen, nineteen. I was in college, though. I don't think I was fucking tuning into the fresh, right, uh, West Wing. But maybe when it hit syndication and it was on in the middle of the day in two thousand three or so as repeats were happening on USA or TNT. I think that's when I watched it. I remembered a lot. Like, a lot of the things I remember about the show happened in the first, like, six episodes. Like, as I'm watching it go, I'm like, oh, I remember this. Oh, I remember this. Oh, Mm -hmm. I remember this one. I remember... Or I've only ever seen episodes from the first season and I'm just hitting the sweet spot right now. I don't know. But I'm, like, 13 episodes in. I'm doing it while I'm crafting. Because you don't have to stare at the screen because it's Aaron mm. Sorkin. So you're going to get it. You could listen to this show like an audio book. Right. You don't really need to watch it. Um, so that's I recommend going back to a thing that you know you love and watching it again. It doesn't have to be the See, last no, I've been doing, I did that and it didn't quite work for me. Oh, as what you did know. you do? You made a mistake. Because AMC, excuse me, TCM has been running uh, Tarzan movies. And for... Uh, and that's something, again, that's specific to a different generation. Um, yeah, one previous to yours, right. actually. <laughs> so the last two, there was a, Gordon Scott was an actor who was one of, for those who liked the movies, was a great favorite playing Tarzan. Um, he did five movies. The last two, however, were really good because they shot in location in Kenya. They had him speaking Swahili instead of a sort of a made-up 
African language. They incorporated a lot of uh, Native African actors and things, especially the second film. And they had these very adult plots, and it was more like the Tarzan from the book. However, the problem visiting one of those films is that the villain in the film is played by Jacques Mahoney. And who's so we've just been out of as, as a child molester. And yeah. so watching him in that film and knowing that after Gordon Scott left the role, after playing it five roles, Jacques Mahoney got hired to play Tarzan. He was hired as the villain first and then he became right. Tarzan. And the That's thing is weird. That the actors, uh, the director or producers met him, they liked him. They, uh, he went on to be like the oldest actor ever to play Tarzan. He was 40 something at the time. And the, the second role in the series that he played nearly killed him. He got dysentery and like barely limped his way through the end of the film. But it's hard watching it now, watching this performance as the villain in this one movie that I really When, admired. like, what, last week Sally Field's book came out and yeah. said he did things yes. to me when I was and a so child? And so it's just sort of, like, gut punch, like, oh, it's so hard to watch it yeah. now going, I know. So watch things that you, well, that's the other thing is, mm-hmm. I mean, Rob Lowe's been problematic in the past. I think right. he's... I think well, he's the made tape. up for it. Yeah. Right, which was not like, it no. wasn't evil. No one was being taken advantage of. No, yeah. I do was... have something, though, new, new to me. Awesome. Um, for people who like scary stuff, I've discovered two channels on YouTube. Two channels on That YouTube. are original content. Uh, one of Bedtime okay. Stories. Okay. The other one's uh, from Rusty Quill, which is, I guess they produce original material. Uh-huh. Both of them are people, well... Bedtime stories, there's a narrator, there's some beautiful charcoal sketches narrating mysteries, supernatural stories. But it's original stories? Original, well, the material, it's, it's, it's not fiction. In other words, most of them are not fiction. There is some oh, okay. short stories incorporated. But it's a person doing sort of like a true life investigation into this particular mystery or the Flanagan, I don't know if I pronounced that right, the lighthouse mystery where the two lighthouse keepers disappear. It's an actual historical mystery. Oh, okay. And he runs through this case and it's, each, Feels uh, like lore. Sort of, but okay. each film is accompanied by, uh, I mean, each story is accompanied narration with really beautiful, I think their charcoal sketches are black and white, uh-huh. and they're really lovely. He does a lot of actual investigation to the stories, what can be corroborated, what can't be. And that's on YouTube under Bedtime Stories, which is one of the ones I actually listened to at bedtime. I was listening to the day to the story of the Wendigo and what the historical Yeah, beware of Bedtime Stories. Uh, sometimes you put a thing on to go to sleep and you don't go to sleep. I meant to watch one episode of The West Wing and go to sleep. But then I watched seven and then it was three in the morning. So y'all be careful. Be careful out there. Yeah, bedtime stories on YouTube. It's really fun, kind of unsolved mysteries. And the black and white pictures give it a really kind of weird noir feeling in there. And the mysteries themselves... This actually might be like... Um, they're really cool. They might really be like cool. watercolor, actually. I'm not they sure might what be. the... I can't tell. Yeah, but they are black and white. They're they're cool looking, though. And so that's what accompanies the actual descriptions. And so there, some of them are as update about uh, a man who claims to have found a mysterious cavern while hiking in the desert, and he had YouTube videos put up, and then he suddenly disappeared. So it's that up to date. <laughs> and then there's some classic mysteries like, you know, the... San Pedro haunting and uh, just great stuff. There's a lot of it fun stuff. It looks like they're updating regularly, yeah. so that's good. And uh, the other when one. When to go a week ago and then, yeah. you know, the first one's about a year ago. And the other one is Rusty Quill, and the, he has a radio program called the Magnus Archives. And I've only gotten through a few of these. Do you mean like a podcast or is that actually on the radio? It's, uh, well, I, I call it a podcast, but the films are on YouTube. Yeah. And I'm they are, the Magnus Archives are spooky stories narrated by 
maybe a pretend Englishman. The other guy is an actual Englishman. We're oh. doing bedtime stories. I could, that's an authentic accent. I don't know about this. This might be. This might be effective. Might be foul. But these are fictional stories. Um, the very first okay. one I heard is about a mentioning a, a drunken man who sees someone standing in a, a doorway and appealing to him, and he almost follows them and discovers this is not a human being. This is like a delight on an anglerfish. That story, the anglerfish, is it's creepy. That's it's, interesting. Yeah. yeah, there's a lot of offbeat, spooky drama to it. It's mostly in European settings. That's why I said I don't know if the guy's actually English. It's like, I was in Denmark once and this happened to me. Apparently, some of the stuff that they do on that site mm-hmm. is also uh, tabletop gaming. Yeah, so, so it's really interesting stuff. Though. The stories are so, that I've heard so far are really fun Yeah. Uh, and creepy and offbeat. I like, even when I'm writing, I don't like to go for the typical ghost story. I like to go for something a little bit off. And this story has the same sort of aesthetic. It's a little bit off. It's stuff they're that like, you're not. That's not what I was expecting. Right. Which is good because well, because vampires and zombies have been done to death. Do you realize that sixty percent of films released in Hollywood in the last few years are zombie movies? I have heard a a, a statistic 60%. like that that has ranged between forty right. and seventy nine, and I don't know that it's true. This was <sighs> quoted on um, Turn Classic Movies when. Um, Ken Mankiewicz was introducing uh, I Walked with a Zombie, saying that how significant is this particular film from this particular time? Well, 60% of films released in Hollywood involve zombies. And so I don't know if he's I being accurate. I think that that's... There's so much Released in Hollywood, what does that mean? Really, or like, that's not the released thing, in Hollywood, made in Hollywood. So I guess... Oh, I mean, made in Hollywood. It's not just Hollywood, because you can see, okay, does 28 Weeks Later count as a zombie film? Does the girl with all the gifts count as a zombie film? Because if you count it that way, then you could say, yeah. 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 You know. Are we counting infection films as zombie right. films? But also, I do not think that more than one in two movies is Overlord. I remember the name of it. Oh, my God. <laughs> I, I kept calling it. Ooh, the... also, news. Yesterday, for the first time before The Predators, it's the first movie I've seen in two months that didn't have a Star is Born of preview. Of course, we were watching Predators, and I don't think the people who watch Predators are really We watched The Nun, and there was That's a Star true. is Born thing. So, well, uh, like a Catholic <laughs> love drunks crossover thing. <laughs> I don't know what they thought with that one. Yeah, no. But, um, but yeah, so I would recommend those two YouTube stations. There's others that also... Uh, do a lot channels, of I think. Channels, okay. I don't know if that's right. I'm old. I just... Hey, it's a radio station. No. Um, but I, uh, I, yeah, I'm having a lot of fun with those lately, and there's a lot of, uh, especially with the Rusty Quill thing, there's a lot of original content that's just fun to listen to. It's like a serious version of Night Vale. Which huh. I like the goofiness of I Night like Vale. the goofiness of Night Vale, but every once in a while you want a good spooky story that keeps you up at night. I guess that's and, true. And this Halloween season coming up, this will be perfect. It's true. It is It is October. Mm-hmm. <laughs> As it is not October, but it will be October. Yeah, it is <laughs> when, when we when drop this, this, right? When anybody but us hears this, it will be October, yes. Does that put us? I think that puts us at the end. At the end? Have we made it? I think we have. We survived. I apologize for any sick sounds that get through. I'm going to try and edit them out. Um, uh, if you have any questions, concerns, statements you'd like to make. Perhaps in defense of uh, Stars Born. Or Alienation. Yeah, there you go. Uh, then you can get us at twi- on Twitter, at LatecomersPod, or at Gmail, at LatecomersPod, at gmail.com. 
Uh, we have a Facebook page and a Facebook group. Come find us. Come find us. The latecomers. You can find us. Uh, I'm at AmityArmstrong.com and at AmityArmstrong on Twitter. Uh, Lemuel eschews Twitter, but his book can be found on Amazon. You can look for Lemuel Gonzalez, or you can look for Sealing Night. That's S-W-E-L-I-N-G N-I-G-H-T to it. I think that's gonna do it. We'll see you back here next week when we talk about Rushmore. And remember... Better late late than than never. never. Stuffle, stuffle, stuffle. See you.